Are you struggling as a parent? Or is your child struggling and you're just not sure what to do? They might be struggling with something emotional, like depression, anxiety, loneliness, cutting, or getting bullied. It's hard for us as parents to know what to do. Well, welcome to the Dr. Todd Talks podcast. I've worked with over 10,000 families from all over the world. I've worked with celebrities, I've worked with royalty, and I've worked with normal families like you and I. We all just want to have happy, resilient kids. How do you do that when your child gets a little bit off track? Well, if you're a parent struggling right now, and you feel like you're at the end of your rope and just not sure what to do, then listen to my stories of connection, where I'm going to share hope and relief and strategies on how to create happy, resilient kids. Let's get started. I got to admit that I have spent a little more time than normal on this particular episode because I just, I feel like it's a really sensitive topic, but it's something that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. So just a little background for the past 20 years, I have worked mostly in the world of residential treatment. So what that means is these are kids and young adults that are in treatment programs. They're not living at home and they're in some kind of fairly long-term treatment program. Long-term can mean anything from, you know, 8 to 10 weeks all the way up to 12 to 18 months. And not everybody that I work with is in this kind of treatment. I'd say about 80% of the kids and young adults that I've worked with have been in residential treatment. And even the kind of programs that I work with vary a lot. So some of them are outdoor therapeutic wilderness programs, so they're literally out in the middle of the woods. I mean, I have spent many, many, many hours, days, months in the middle of nowhere working with kids in these kinds of programs. Some of the programs are rehabs. Some of the programs are residential treatment centers. Some of them are longer-term therapeutic boarding schools. There's just a lot of variety in what I'm talking about, and I have worked in these programs all over the country and even in some other countries. And even the kids that are in these programs, the the reasons they're there vary widely as well. So I, you know, we've seen it all. They they could have problems with really severe depression, self harm, suicidal ideation, anxiety, school issues, even behavior, you know, severe behavior issues, addiction, trauma. I mean, you name it. And even some of the programs will specialize. So like there might be a program that specializes in working with kids with trauma or a program that specializes in working with kids who were adopted or who have attachment issues and so forth. And anyways, the reason that I feel so sensitive about this topic is because all the kids I've worked with, I often wonder with some of the some of the boys and girls that I work with, and I'm going to talk about one boy in particular just to give you an example, but I I wonder, you know, if I could go back in time, just, you know, three or four years and do some kind of intervention or give the family some kind of help, could we have somehow prevented the problems from getting to the point where they have become so bad now? And it's a sensitive topic to me because I really love the families that I work with. And I think a large, the, the very large majority of the parents are doing the very best that they can. And but that doesn't mean that we can't change and improve, right? And so I've I've kind of labored over this episode because I do believe that families are doing the best they can. But I also really believe that there are things that we could do, things that we probably could do if we could go back in time that would make a huge difference. 
a, a difference in the sense that things may not have had to become so severe that we're now in a residential treatment program. So I almost think of this episode like talking about are there ways that we could prevent sort of uh, are things getting so bad that our kids need this level of intervention? Is there are there things that we could have done to sort of prevented things from deteriorating so much? I don't believe you can prevent all residential treatment. I think you know the residential treatment is important and it exists for a reason. And there are some kids that just need this level of, inter- of intervention. Most of the kids there, the large, large majority of the kids there are there because nothing else was working. So outpatient therapy wasn't working, whatever meds they were doing weren't working, and things were getting worse and worse and worse. And in a lot of cases, their safety had become an issue. And, you know, the parents needed to put them in a treatment program to keep them safe. That being said, I I do believe that if you would implement some of the principles that I teach, it would dramatically increase the odds that in a lot of cases, things don't have to get this bad. And so like this boy in particular, I'm going to share with you uh, just a little bit about this boy. I saw him about a year ago. He's not really a boy. He's an adult. He's 19 years old. And when I saw him, he was in a residential treatment program. And it was one of those programs that was, uh, they took really kind of severe mental health cases. This boy had become psychotic. So that means he had literally lost touch with reality. He was hearing voices. He was aggressive. At one point, he ran away from the program. He robbed a store. He got caught by the police. He ended up in jail. They released him back to the program again. But if you just kind of go backwards in his history, this kid had been really getting into a lot of trouble for many years at this point. And his mental health had deteriorated like drastically. He wasn't always psychotic, but I do believe that his psychosis was the result of his drug use. Now, I'll tell you that I have seen that more and more over the last 10 to 20 years. Um, we see a lot of what we call substance-induced psychosis. So this is from drugs, especially marijuana, because it's so potent. And it will some of the drugs will actually create mental illness. At any rate, if you go back several years with this boy when he was a little kid, he was a sweetheart. I mean, he was this just kind of sweet, kind, tender-hearted little kid. He got along well with his peers. And, you know, when I talk to his mom, she describes him as just being a sweet boy. Um, he was, you know, she was very close. She had a loving relationship with him. But she admits, and I don't know her very well, so it's hard for me to determine, like, how severe this was with her. I suspect it was pretty significant. But she admits that she was pretty loose on boundaries with him. And so when he was little, he could get away with all sorts of stuff. And she, she just did not have a lot of structure for him. And so she could, you know, tell him not to do things. He'd do them anyways. But she describes this boy's dad, her husband, as the exact opposite of her. So he was really rigid. And and dad's main focus as a parent was about respect and following rules. That was really what he saw his role as a, as a dad was, is to demand respect and the kids have to follow rules. But they, the boy and this dad did not have what you'd call a warm relationship. And in fact, mom told me that when he was little, he was scared of his dad. He was afraid of him. And um, dad kind of wanted it that way. That's how dad grew up. And he basically felt like this boy should respect him and follow rules. And that was about it. 
And that was the essence of their relationship. And so if you look back when they were, when thing, when, you know, when he was young, mom had this close relationship, but did not have much structure. And dad had a cold relationship, but tons of structure. And parents were very much at odds in their parenting style. Mom felt like she ended up having to make up for dad's coldness. She had to be even more warm or even less structured and kind of nurture him, but not hold him accountable. And dad, on the other hand, felt like he had to make up for mom's lack of boundaries. And so he was, dad was actually becoming pretty hardcore and he was becoming more and more demanding of this kid. And there was more and more conflict. And so these parents just never got on the same page. And I don't, I don't even know if they ever even tried to get on the same page, but being, having such sort of opposite parenting styles really create a lot of problems for the kids and for this boy in particular. So that was problem number one. If we go back in time as the parents just were, you know, I don't think they had that great of a relationship with each other and they were on opposite sides of the planet in terms of their ways of parenting their parenting styles. So that was problem number one. The second problem was that this kid really started to resent his dad. Dad had become very hardcore and he started to rebel against his dad. He became more disrespectful. And I would say at around age 13, so this was six years before I saw him, that's when he started to dabble into drugs. He started smoking marijuana. He started using mushrooms. And he loved how drugs made him feel. And from there, this kid was off to the races with drug use. Um, you know, we see that sometimes with some kids, they can dabble and they don't get really into it or they don't even use it anymore. And sometimes, man, it's just like kids are just off and running. And this boy was literally off a cliff. By the time I saw him, he had been using everything he'd get his hands on for, for actually many years at this point. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, his, for this boy in particular, his drug use really, really impacted his mental health. He had, I'd probably say around the age of 16, he started getting pretty paranoid and his behaviors were out of control. He was shoplifting. He was not going to school. He was failing school. It's just so many issues, but he was starting to become paranoid and psychotic. And he was also getting into trouble with the law. And so I'm thinking about these parents. And again, I believe they were well-meaning. I think mom was doing the best that she thought she could be doing. She was trying to be nurturing. And probably that excessive focus on nurturing with lack of structure came from her own background. But dad also, he was doing what he thought was best. And he was trying to have structure and boundaries, but had no nurturing. But if I could go back in time, these are the two things that I would like to help fix for them. There's two things I would want to do. Number one, I would want to fix their relationship. You know, I would, the quality of their relationship and coming together as parents in the way they parent. In reality, there's so many of us that are like this. We have different parenting styles and we end up sabotaging each other without necessarily even knowing it. I think, you know, having a different parenting style is very common most people struggle with this, and but most people don't realize how critical it is to get on the same page with each other. For this boy in particular, it just created this huge rift in his relationship with each of them, but especially in his relationship with his dad, because his dad was always trying to hold him accountable. And if I could have helped them somehow come together, you know, sometimes you just got to do that. 
If you can't do it on your own or through self-help books, you, you have to get professional help. But sometimes you, you just have to come together. It's so important that we get on the same page when we're parenting kids, especially when the kids are, you know, having difficulties. The interesting thing about these parents is that both of them together had great qualities. They were both doing the right things and the wrong things. And here's what I mean by that. We know from lots of research on parenting. In fact, my whole parenting model is based off of Diana Baumrein's parenting model, which tells us that there are two things we need to do to raise healthy, happy kids. And number one is we have to prov- we have to have a lot of boundaries and structure and demands and high expectations. That's really critical. So that's what dad was really good at. But the second part that we have to do, and we know this from research, is that we have to have warm, nurturing, close bond. You know, I talk about it as like an emotional connection. You have to do both of those things. And that's what mom was good at. And if somehow they could have come together and compromised so that they both agreed and held boundaries and structure, but also bring dad in to do much more of the nurturing, you know, so that he had both of those qualities. I really think with this boy, we could have prevented some problems. So that's the first thing I'd do. If I could go back in time with him is I would bring them together. And the second thing I would do would be kind of an individual focus with each of them. With mom, I would teach her about boundaries, why it's so important, and I would I would teach her how to have boundaries. And with dad, I'd probably spend a lot of time with dad teaching him how to connect at an emotional level with his son. I, I know a lot of parents and a lot of dads in particular that want to do this and don't know how to do this. And there's really some very easy, easy things that you can do. It is not hard at all. And it really doesn't even take that much work. And you can connect at an emotional level with your kids. And if I could go back in time with this dad, I would spend a lot of time with him. And here's why. If they had a closer relationship, when this boy started mixing with, you know, negative peers, experimenting with drugs, there's a pretty significant likelihood that this dad and his son could have talked about these things and he could have had some influence with his son because of that relationship. The relationship is everything. That is where we get influence. Think about somebody that you love and look up to and that you do anything for, right? It's be, it's because of that love, that connection that you have with them that you'd be willing to do anything for them. And I can tell you in my own relationship with my own kids and even as a relationship as a therapist with clients that I work with, that relationship that I have is everything. I've worked with lots and lots of teenagers over the years. If they see me as somebody that is warm and that they can trust, I can get them to open up and talk to me sometimes about almost anything. I've had kids tell me the most horrific traumas that you can imagine. And I've even had them tell me, you know, Todd, you're the first person I've ever shared this with. And I really believe it's because of that relationship that I work so hard to get. And it's the same thing with our kids. When we have strong, warm relationships with them, we can really get away with a lot and we can have hard discussions and we can talk about drugs. We can talk about negative friends. We can talk about all sorts of things that are hard to talk about anyways. With this boy in particular, because the relationship with his dad was so cold, when dad did try to talk to him about drugs, the, the kid just, you know, 
turned his back and walked the other way and didn't want to. I mean, I in some ways, I think he was doing some of these things because he was trying to get back at his dad. He wanted to do the exact opposite of what his dad wanted. And man, if we could have worked on that relationship in some ways, this boy, I really believe with him, we could have saved him from mental illness and we could have saved him from, you know, where he's at now. He's in a residential treatment program and he's just got out of jail. And there's so many things that we could have protected him from. If we could have had parents on the same page with structure and boundaries, and also even more importantly, with that warm, close, connected relationship. And when you've got both of those things, it really increases the odds that you can protect your child's mental health and their future. And those are the thoughts that I wanted to share with you today. Hey, thanks for listening. This is Dr. Todd. And if you would like to move forward with healing yourself and helping to heal your children, I'd like to invite you to the Parenting Made Easy Challenge. It's a free challenge, and it's going to be private and confidential. You don't even have to have your camera on. But I would like to invite you to a free, small, mini-workshop where I'm going to show you some strategies of how to start to heal yourself and your children and your family. This is especially important around the holidays, which is a very stressful time with a lot of heartache, a lot of loneliness, and a lot of stress. So I invite you to sign up. You can click the link inside of the show notes inside the description of this episode and sign up for free, and then you can meet me live so I can show you some strategies of how to get through the holidays and how to start the process of healing your family.